The Story of Gambatar, Episode 6, Back Home. It was a fine spring morning in the capital. A light dusting of snow had fallen overnight, but green shoots were already poking through their white blankets. Gambatar breathed in a lungful of Mongolian air and paused on a particular step. Five years before, he'd had his photo taken here, beside four young colleagues and the Minister of Agriculture, proud emissaries, destined to bestow the gift of fish farming to a grateful nation. The other four had returned two years before. Not all letters from home had made it to Gumbathar over his five years of study. This was understandable. One month he would be on a Baltic trawler, the next an Atlantic container ship, the next an Arctic cruise ship. But he had heard that whatever agriculture expertise his four colleagues had acquired during their studies was now being squandered. Professor Dalai's vision of Mongolians introducing fish to their diet hadn't taken off. There'd not been another Zod winter since they'd left. Livestock herds had been built up again, the refugees had packed up their gears from around the capital and moved back to their grassland homes. The old Minister of Agriculture had taken early retirement, at least that was the official line. Some said it had been his cosy relationship with the Soviet ambassador that truncated his career. Others said that even though it had been successfully hushed up, he'd killed his own career, along with three camels and a yak, during his drunken 3am joyride in his official limousine. The new minister, by all accounts an unforgiving kind of man, had quietly closed down the fish farming department. He reassigned Gambatar's former colleagues to more familiar Ministry of Agriculture jobs. They were now supervising milk quotas, regulating meat processing, approving veterinary products. The only clues to their years of study abroad were the certificates of graduation displayed on the walls of their offices. You can say what you like about the Soviet Union, but they knew how to do certificate, with their bold red hammer and sickle seals and red felt frames embossed with gold writing. Gambata's own certificate was safe. Before setting out that morning, he tucked it under his lucky wolf's paw and clicked his little leather briefcase shut. As he walked up the steps and approached the security guard's desk, Gambatar swung the briefcase, surreptitiously jaunty. Though naturally shy, Gambatar was secretly looking forward to showing his qualification to the guard, who was from the same place up by the lake with the boat. Everyone he'd met since his return three days ago had begged to see it. It's not every day you get to hold in your own hands the first ever international certificate in deep-sea navigation awarded to a Mongolian. Those who'd had the privilege had already told the story to others, who were now telling it to everyone they met. But the guard was unfamiliar. Another reminder that much had changed in the five years Gambatar had been away. The new guard nodded dismissively at Gumbutter's open briefcase before returning to the sports pages of his newspaper. As he clicked his briefcase softly shut, Gumbutter smiled to himself. Facing him, on the front page, 
was an article about the return of the country's first qualified deep-sea navigator and a photo of him with his certificate taken at the airport. Maybe the guard did already know about it after all. Gombatar turned and continued his way up the wide concrete stairs all the way up to the minister's office on the top floor. The new minister kept him waiting for an hour. A modest man, Gambata didn't take offence. An hour later, he began to feel a premonition of worry that his triumphal return may have peaked. After another hour, he was pretty much sure of it. When he was finally shown into the new minister's office hours later and showed him his certificate, he knew it. What the hell have you been doing? Wasting your time and our money studying deep-sea navigation? thundered the new minister. What use are you to Mongolia? What possible job is there here for a deep-sea navigator? At that moment, Gambata's hope evaporated like ocean spray. He reached for his briefcase, looking for the previous minister's letter, telling him it was all part of a greater plan that would be revealed to him on his return, before he suddenly realised this would only make things worse. All Gambatat wanted to do, then, was go home. As he replaced the certificate and letter in his briefcase, he caught sight of his lucky wolf's paw. Of course. Uh, minister he said. I could join the crew of the boat on the lake by the Soviet border. Maybe my experience would be of some help. Far from placating the new minister, this infuriated him further. The boat had been navigating the lake absolutely fine for nearly a century. It was never out of sight of the lakeshore and get out of my sight. The following week, Gambatar opened the door to his new office. A cramped, bare, dusty room at the end of a remote corridor as far away from the new minister's office as it was possible to be. It hadn't been used for years. Gambatar opened its one tiny window, opaque with grime, to let some air in. A shower of dead insects covered his shoes. Outside, melting snow, a birch tree, an empty bench. After a minute or two staring at the bench, Gambatar sighed and turned back to settle into his new office. Having been given no job, all he had were his personal possessions. He moved the dusty chair from the dusty desk, opened his briefcase and arranged its contents on the room's dusty shelf. There was his life, all in a row. The wolf's paw his internationally recognised certificate in deep-sea navigation, a photograph of him with his international shipmates smiling on a trawler on a distant sea. Gampata picked up the wolf's paw in one hand, the photograph in the other, and his eyes filled with tears. He walked to the window, opening it wide. Gambatar closed his eyes, started to sway from side to side, as if on a rolling deck. He began singing one of the sea shanties he'd learned on the other side of the world.
In episode 7, Professor Dallai goes for a walk, we'll discover how Gunbatar found his new job at the ministry. The series was written, narrated and produced by Sternwriter. Audio production by Samuel Wynn. The Truth Lies in Bedtime Stories is a see-through news production. See-through news is a not-for-profit social media network with the goal of speeding up carbon drawdown by helping the inactive become active. For more, visit seethroughnews.org. Thank you for listening.